welcome to Shelter Cove Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today for this sermon. We hope and pray that this message encourages you, that you learn something, that you enjoy it. But more than that, we just pray that God would move in your life, that he would reveal some more of himself to you today. If you would like to respond to this message in any way, you can contact us at sheltercovelive.com. Have an amazing rest of your day. Well, hey, so glad that you're here with us today. My name is Jeremy, one of the pastors here, and also want to give a shout out to those joining us online. You came for a great weekend. This is our fall kickoff. We're talking about vision, and I get to share really uh, what God's put on my heart for you in this upcoming season. And if there's really two words that I could use to describe it, it's intentionally grow. And here's why. Growth does not happen by accident, all right? So we need to be intentional about how we grow. If you wanna get in better shape, it just doesn't happen. You gotta go to the gym and watch what you eat. If you wanna be a better student, you gotta study. If you want your marriage to grow, you gotta be intentional about spending time with each other and encouraging each other and serving each other. So that's what we're talking about today, intentionally grow. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and meet me in Luke chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. One of our ushers will get one to you. Feel free to use your electronic device. And as we jump into this, I just wanna remind us uh, of our mission. And maybe you're here for the first time and I want you to know we get our mission just right out of the New Testament. They're the words of Jesus. We've simplified our mission statement as reaching and raising authentic followers of Jesus. That's a focus on evangelism, really reaching people and encouraging them to come to know Jesus and discipleship. That's where we're growing as authentic followers of Jesus, a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And we get this right out of Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. We're doing that in a couple weeks. If you haven't got baptized yet, I wanna encourage you to do that. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, some translations say obey, all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So our mission statement is really the mission statement of Jesus. And then our vision really we get from Jesus as, as well. Our vision is that everyone will know him. The lost boy, the lost girl, the lost man, the lost woman that doesn't yet know Jesus Christ. My prayer is that God would use you in this season to have the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ and the eyes of Christ to go after people that are lost. Now, let me set up the context of Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, it says that uh, tax collectors and sinners were, were drawn to Jesus. Now, let me clarify what tax collectors were. They were the worst of the worst. They were traitors because they worked for the Roman government and they were thieves because they ripped people off and they took more money than, than they were supposed to. And for whatever reason, Jesus presented himself in such a way, loved in such a way, demonstrated compassion in such a way that the worst of the worst sinners were drawn to Jesus. I say that because as you are salt and light in this upcoming season, I pray that you would live in such a way that people are drawn to Jesus because of the way you live your life. The Pharisees are there, the scribes are there, they're complaining because Jesus is hanging out with sinners and he tells them this parable, this story about, about really the one 
The one is the person that doesn't, again, know Jesus. It's the person that's wandered off. It's the person that's far from God. And this is what he says in verse four. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Now, let me just stop for a second. That, that's contrary to the way that most of us think. For most of us, we think, oh, if I've got 100 and I lose one, I still have 99. Not Jesus. His heart is on the one that's lost. Goes on and says, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And so as we set up that context for our message today, my, my prayer for you in this season is that you would intentionally grow, that you would take steps, that you would take the initiative to make things happen in your life because it will not happen by accident. And there's, there's two areas of growth that I really wanna see in your life in this upcoming season. Number one is that you would grow in your love for the lost. If you're taking notes, that's point one. Grow, grow in your love for the lost simply because we see this in the heart of Jesus. You know, it's interesting that of, of all the animals that were used uh, to describe people in the Bible, we're referred to as sheep. And this is crazy because sheep aren't the smartest crayons in the crayon box, right? Uh, sheep are stupid. Like they'll just run over a cliff, they'll wander off. They need a shepherd. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 53, it says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Here's the reality. Every single sheep needs a shepherd. Shepherd will protect the sheep. Shepherd will chase after the sheep. Jesus is that great shepherd for every single one of us. He never stops giving up on us. And I love in chapter uh, 15, it says, will he not go after the one until he, until he finds it? Never gives up. He never gives up on you. And maybe you're here today and you've given up on God. God has never given up on you and will never give up on you. Isn't that good news, friends? He, he will never, ever give up. Now, when I think about our relational reach zone, people in our lives that don't yet know Jesus Christ, for a lot of times, I think we think about like people in other parts of the world, but I want you to think about people in your immediate circle, that you see on a regular basis. It could be your spouse, it could be your children, your parents, it could be a family member, it could be a friend, a neighbor, it could be that person that you sit next to at work every day, the person that sits next to you at school, somebody on a sports team, I don't know who it is, but who's that one person in your life that you're gonna be committing to praying for every single day and that God would use you to lead them to Jesus Christ? because that was the heart of Jesus. Jesus in Luke chapter 19 says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. See, lost people don't just need to be found, they need to be saved. And so what would it look like for you and for me in this upcoming season to take a risk and say, God, would you use me? God, in the midst of my flaws, in the midst of not having all the answers, God, I wanna take a step of faith. And I want you to, 
I want you to use me. Some of you are thinking, Jeremy, it's, it's gotta be so nice just working at a church and everybody's a Christian. Yeah, you know what, it's great, but I've gotta intentionally put myself in places where, where people don't know Jesus. In fact, when I was in seminary, I joined a basketball league and it wasn't a church league. A bunch of my Christian friends said, hey, let's join a church league. I said, no, I, wanna, I don't wanna be around Christians all the time. I need to be around some unbelievers. And some of you, I'm, I'm jealous for where you're at because you've got a prime mission field at your work. There's people all around you that don't yet know Jesus Christ. But in this season, you may need to find it. You need to join a bowling league because everybody that you know right now is a Christian. You may need to join a gym and say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna develop some friendships and relationships with people that don't know Christ. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. And here's what you're gonna find. You're gonna find as you pray this way and as you live this way, when you go to the grocery store, you're gonna to go to the same clerk every time because you wanna develop a relationship with that person. When you go to a restaurant, you're gonna look for the same waiter or waitress, the same because you wanna develop a relationship with that person. But what would it look like you for to intentionally put yourself in a place where there's people that don't know Christ so you can demonstrate the love and have spiritual conversations and be okay making mistakes? Do you know how I learn? I learn so much because I make mistakes. First person I led to Christ was when I was 22 years old. His name was Ryan, he was 16 years old. We had this thing at our, our youth group and we gathered everybody together and the, the pastor at that time said, hey Jeremy, can you, can you be a counselor? Because we had like these fake car accidents and people thinking about like death at the end and people were gonna come and talk to a youth leader. So I get done and uh, I sit down with this guy, Ryan, and say, Ryan, can I talk to you about Jesus? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, Ryan, you know, Jesus is a really cool guy and he, you know, just loves you and he thinks you're really neat. I don't know what I said, but I got done. I'm like, oh my goodness, I just butchered that. <laughs> it was horrible. And I'm like, Ryan, do you, you wanna give your life to Christ? And he's like, yes, I do. And I'm like, really? because if I was a salesperson, I would have gotten fired on the spot. Here's what I realized in that moment, that God does not need me, but he chooses to use me. I cannot change people's hearts, only God can. And you can be the most articulate person in the world. You cannot change somebody else's heart. Or you can mess up royally like me and God can use you in the midst of that. So what would it look like for you in this season to say, you know, what, I'm gonna take a risk and I'm gonna take notes and I'm gonna write down what works, what doesn't work. How many of you have ever said something to somebody that you regretted? Raise your hand right now. Good, most of you. How many of you have ever asked somebody if they were pregnant and they weren't? Raise your hand right now. Oh, it just got real up in here, huh? I was talking to a guy um, after the last service because I, I told the story when I, was, when I was in elementary school. I asked a, a lady if she was pregnant. She's like, no, I had my child, you know, six weeks ago. Um, he said he saw somebody at the mall and said, hey, are you still smuggling uh, in watermelons? And then he looked down and saw the stroller and the baby was right there. I'm like, oh, good. That makes me feel a lot better because I'm not the only one that does that, right? By the way, if you've never done that, don't do that before. It will bite you, all right? Um, you know, I, I think about, sharing our faith uh, probably 10, 15 years ago I was a friend, with a friend downtown Modesto. It was dark out at night and we were trying to start spiritual conversations. Hey, you know, do you have a spiritual background? Hey, hey, do you go to church? And he wanted to try something new and he goes up to a guy, again, it's dark out. He just says, are you ready to die? <laughs> Note to self, don't say that. He probably thought the guy was gonna kill him, right? He just wanted to know, are you ready to face Jesus, right? 
How do you know that? Don't do it. You know, Saturday nights, I'll try new things. And sometimes what I do on Saturday night doesn't make it to Sunday morning. There was one time a couple of years ago, I was talking about how we all live in our Christian bubbles. And I got this inner tube on and it was great. I put the inner tube on. And I'm like, this is what we look like, playing it safe and all that kind of stuff. And then I went to get the inner tube off. And guess what? It was stuck. <laughs> Couldn't get it off. Didn't make it to Sunday. Note to self, ain't gonna do that again. What would it look like for you in this season to take a risk for somebody else? because you just want them to come to know Jesus. I love what David Platt says. David Platt is a famous pastor, very influential. He said, every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every unsaved person this side of hell. Friends, that's us. What would it look like for us in this season to say, you know what, I wanna, I wanna see people come to know Christ. A couple easy ways to do that. Three, three things. Number one, and these aren't in your notes. You can write them down. Number one is just ask questions. Become an expert at asking questions. You know who did that the best? It was Jesus. Just ask people, hey, how are you doing? Ask them, hey, how was your weekend? What did you do this weekend? It's a great way because most of the time people ask you, what did you do this weekend? They're like, hey, great. Glad you asked. You teed me up. You know, I went to church and hung out with my friends and pastor's weird and all that kind of stuff, right? Whatever you want to say. Um, but, but ask questions. Do you have a spiritual background? Do you go to church? Whatever it is, try stuff and find out what works. You're going to find out, you'll ask a question. I'll be like, okay, that didn't work. Don't ask it again. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. Ask questions. Number two is just share your story. Share your story. Uh, and we call it a testimony. Here's why people can't argue with your story. Just about how your life has changed because of the power of Jesus Christ. What were you like before a Christian? How is your life different now because of Christ? And then lastly is just share the gospel. Share the gospel. You know, 1 Peter 3.15 says to always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have, but to do that with gentleness and respect. What is the gospel? Gospel simply means good news. What's the good news? It's Jesus. The bad news now is that we were all born with a disease of sin because of Adam and Eve. Sin came into the world. Sin separates us from our holy God. There's nothing you or I could do in and of ourselves to make us right with God. So what did God do? He sent his only son, Jesus, to deal with the sin issue in our life, to be the perfect sacrifice, one to the cross in our place for our sin, gives us his righteousness. He dies, conquers death, conquers sin, rises three days later, proving victory over sin and death. That is the good news. That's Jesus. Jesus Christ, it's available to all. Now, here's why this is so important to me. So many churches right now, just going through the motions. Hey, as, as long as I just can go to church once a week and read my Bible from time to time, I'm good. I don't want that to be us. I don't want us to be like this cruise ship. I want us to be a battleship. Because we are going to war. I don't want us just coming here to church and having like a big, say, bonfire on the weekends. I want to starting wildfires all throughout the Central Valley because you're about, you're one, you're sharing your faith. Now, here's the question I have for you. It's in your notes. Who is your one? And I'd love it if you wrote a name down next to that. If you're sitting next to somebody, don't write their name down and say, hey, hey, you right here, you know? But who's that person that you're gonna pray for every single day? That they come to know Jesus and that God would use you. Grow in your love for the lost. 
Point number two is simply this. I want you to grow in the habits of healthy Christians. I want you to grow in the habits of healthy Christians. And we see these in Acts chapter two. And we really call these our five core values. And if you can live these out, boy, God's gonna change your life. This is what it says. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's the Bible. And the fellowship, this community, and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done, being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were unified, by the way. Thank you so much for being a, a unified church over the last couple years where there's been so much division. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, generosity and serving as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. I love this. They were at, there was growth that was taking place. Why? There was something about these Christians that was attractive. There was something about the way these Christians lived where they were no longer selfish. They were selfless because of Jesus Christ, their lives were transformed. And what do we see? We see five clear things in this passage. Number one, if you're taking notes, is we see an emphasis on God's word. I want you in this next season to lean into God's word, lean into the Bible, to make it a priority every single day to spend time just you and you alone with Jesus. And if you're not already doing that, start with five minutes. Five minutes a day, start with the gospel of John and grow from there, why? It, it's, it's God's truth. We live in a culture that is being driven by feelings instead of truth. Now more than ever, we need to lean into God's word. When you come here to church on the weekends, you will always hear a message from the scriptures. We will always be a Bible teaching, Bible believing church. We're not gonna skip around or dance over the difficult topics. You know, Pastor Bob, one of the things I appreciate about Bob Irwin, our care pastor, is I'll ask him how he's doing. And on a regular basis, I'll hear Bob say, man, I just had the greatest devotional this morning. Uh, God just, man, really spoke to me as I spent time with him. The strength of your life is gonna flow from your time in the word. I hear people say, I, I just want God to speak to me. Open the Bible, right? That, that, that's, that's how God speaks. And we need to make sure we're like the um, Berean Christians, the Berean Christians in Acts chapter 17, it says, now the Berean Jews were more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. In other words, they would hear it and then they would look to the scriptures. Why is that so important? Because so many Christians will hear something, see something on TikTok, YouTube, and be like, oh, it must be true, without even examining the scriptures. I'll hear people tell me, hey, pastor, I'm just so glad that God doesn't give us more than what we can handle. Say what? Because over the last two years, I've had a whole lot more than what I can handle. See, I believe that God does give us more than what we can handle because it drops us to our knees and allows us to cry out to God. And that's actually God's grace. Now, what the Bible does say is that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear, but will always offer us a way of escape. So we need to make sure we're understanding what the Bible says and that we are staying rooted and grounded in God's word. Number two is prayer. Prayer. 
just prayed and it came right up there. It's intentionally communicating with God. You know, there's a man that was asked, uh, what did you gain from praying to God? And he was real honest and he said, nothing. But let me tell you what I lost. I lost anger, I lost ego, greed, depression, insecurity, and fear of death. See, sometimes when we pray, it's not about gaining, it's what we lose, but when we lose, it's, it's really a gain. What would it look like for you in this season to take time on a regular basis to not just pray for that one in your life that doesn't know Jesus, but pray that God does the miraculous? I believe more than ever, we in our country, our state, need to be a group of Christians that are on our knees and praying on a regular basis. That we experience the power of prayer. How do I know prayer works? Because I've seen it. You know, earlier this year, our executive pastor, Ed Kelly, he was diagnosed with cancer in his jaw and he went through this, this really difficult season of having a jaw reconstructive surgery. They had to take a bone out of his leg, put it in his jaw. It was, it was gonna be a 10 hour surgery. He was very concerned. I remember that days leading up to it. He's like, Jeremy, if I don't make it off the operating table, hey, you need to know this, blah, 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 blah. Just really scary and told him there's so many complications that most likely could, could take place. He loves playing pickleball. It's like the... Um, Tennis with a paddle and a wiffle ball. He loves doing that. And they're like, Ed, you're never going to play. Most likely you'll never play pickleball again. You'll have a limp. And I looked at Ed and said, Ed, you're playing pickleball again. Like you're going to play. And I just started praying. God, I want this surgery to go well. And I want Ed to be able to uh, play pickleball. And so he has his surgery and uh, ends up going really well. And he goes through radiation. This is over several months. And he goes to the doctors and um, they say, man, your, your mouth looks textbook, looks amazing. Your leg, it looks textbook, looks amazing. Your radiation, it worked out super well. It's been over like five months. Guess what Ed did two weeks ago? He played pickleball. Isn't that awesome? God answers prayer. Now don't clap too much because he's still not very good, all right? But he likes pickleball. Actually, he's decent. Um, how do I know prayer works? Because I've experienced the power of prayer. And sometimes God will change your situation. Other times God will change your heart. But the fact that God is always good, we can trust him. God, you know what's best. You either change the situation or change my heart. I'm going to trust you. So here's what we're gonna do. Starting tomorrow, we're gonna start 21 days of prayer as a church. Why? Because 21 days makes a habit. You can text this number, 391-2001, and just text prayer to that number. And what we'll do is send you a text message every day, some kind of a reminder that allows you to be focused on prayer. We're gonna pray, pray for our teachers, our children, our city. We're gonna pray for us. We're gonna pray for lost people in our lives. We're gonna pray that God would do the miraculous in our lives. So don't miss out on that. Again, all the information, QR code on the back of the seat, you can get that but don't miss out on signing up for 21 days of prayer. It's powerful. It's gonna make a difference. Uh, in September uh, the 12th, we're gonna have a prayer and worship night here. Don't miss out on that as well. We got God's word. We've got prayer. Pray specifically. Pray for your one. Thirdly, we've got community. Community. You know, it's interesting in the book of Acts, that passage we just got done reading, 
What did Christians do immediately after giving their lives to Christ and getting baptized? They got in community. They lived in community. They had this like big life group. Why is that so important? Because the enemy wants you in isolation. The enemy wants you all by yourself. He wants you sinning in secrecy. He wants you suffering in silence. You know, for some of you, you're here today or you're watching online and you are going through the most difficult season of your life and nobody else knows because you're isolated. You're, in you're not in community. And so what would it look like for you to be in community in this season, to, to join a group? Um, that's what I'm gonna ask you to do after the service is, is to go out there and to sign up and get involved in some kind of a men's group, a women's group, a life group, a, whatever kind of group there is. You know, the Dead Sea in Israel, I've been there. It's salty, you can like float on it. It's called the Dead Sea because there's no creatures that live in the Dead Sea because there's a whole lot of water that goes in and no water that flows out. Some of you, there's a whole lot of God flowing in, no God of flowing out. You know, physically, when that happens, when there's a whole lot of food flowing in and no food flowing out, that's problematic. There's a word for it. Let me just be blunt. Some of you, spiritually speaking, are plugged up, all right? You are plugged up. You need more God coming in and more God going out. How does that happen in a life group? That's why in Hebrews chapter 10, the author tells us to spur one another on to faith and good deeds. What, what does it need to mean to spur? It means to motivate I think about cowboys when they've got their boots on and their spurs. Why do they kick those spurs into the horse to make it move forward? You need people in your life that will spur you on to help you move forward towards Jesus, forward towards forgiveness, forward towards grace, forward towards responding to the call that God has placed upon your life. You need people that are lovingly pushing you towards Jesus. Not only that, you need to be in other people's lives so that you can be lovingly pushing people towards Jesus. You know, sometimes I hear people say, well, I just don't wanna be a burden. Folks, that's what community is for, to be a burden, where you can share your mess with other people and allow them to, to join you in your mess. That's what it means to be real. Like, what would it look like for you in this season to say, I wanna jump in with both feet and I wanna be a part of a community? Now, now some of you are, are gonna say, well, I've tried and you know, I went to a church in the past and they never called me. Or in the past, I've been in a small group and you know, there's, there's always just that weird person in the group. There's just always there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand, yes. If you've been in a group and you don't know what I'm talking about, I hate to break it to you, you're probably the weird person, all right? <laughs> Love you enough to tell you that. But what would it look like for you to be in community in this group? My life group meets on Tuesdays and, and I love it because there I'm not, I'm not just Pastor Jeremy. I'm just the, just the guy that needs Jesus. Just a guy listening, encouraged, encouraging. We just sit in a circle and we, we open up the scriptures and we pray and we share our burdens and our hurts and we'll be laughing one minute, we'll be crying the next and we're just doing life together because we know that we shouldn't be alone. What it look like for you to join a group this season? Fourthly, is serving. Is serving. Mark chapter 10, 
Verse 45, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You know, it's not just something that, that we do, it's something we are. Paul so often said, Paul is servant of Christ Jesus. And you know, this is something that, that has been on my heart lately and really something I'm really trying to model for my kids and my wife at home is just to be somebody that serves them because it's not a switch that we turn on and off. It's, it's hey, how, how can I, you know, my wife, how, can I bring you your food? Can I get you water? Can I take your dishes? Like, how can I serve the kids? What would it look like for you in this season to serve? And this is one of the reasons why I don't like the whole like membership thing in a church and some churches do that and that's great. But I feel like with, with the membership, there can be entitlement and you can be like a member at a gym and not do jack squat, right? And so what, what would it look like for you to get involved in this season? Some of you have been at Shelter Co. for a while, which is great, but it's time to take that next step and get off the sideline and get in the game. Because the more you're on the sidelines, the easier it is to stay on the sidelines. There's so many different things you can do here. I mean, you can serve <clears throat> as an usher, as a greeter, men's ministry, women's ministry. I mean, there's, the, I, the, the list goes on and on, whatever God's calling you to. And sometimes the greatest ability is just availability. If you want to find out what the need is, go serve in our children's ministry and our nursery. We have so many kids right now. And you know whose fault it is? Yours. It's yours. Nine months ago, a year ago, so many of you have been hanging out with your spouse and watching Netflix and it got dark and late. One thing happened to another. Bam, our nursery's exploding. It's your fault, which is awesome because God said, be fruitful and multiply, right? But what would it look like for you to serve in this upcoming season? There's so many people that serve in so many different ways. I think about a gentleman named Chad that pressure washed our concrete outside and helped with some yard work. A gentleman named Joe that helped with the playground and the shed outside. Uh, Fred and Patty have helped out with communion prep in the past. Chris, lady makes calls to new guests and wraps guests mugs. Patty, lady writes postcards to all of our new guests. Think about Dwayne and Patty, they serve at our 8.30 service. They're on our greeting team and serve every week. A couple weeks ago, there was a first-time visitor that left and Dwayne wanted to make sure that this first-time visitor got connected. So I was told he actually ran after this person in the parking lot and like walked him back to the like new to Shelter Cove thing. So just a heads up, if you're new, watch out for Dwayne because he <laughs> will chase you down, all right? So you may want to like sneak out the back door or something like that. Um, but we got these people that just have a heart to serve. James, he's one of our pastors. You know what he does sometimes on Fridays, his day off? Is he will mow the yard, the big lawn outside, because he, he just wants, he has this heart to serve. He also says, man, it's just relaxing to me. It's therapeutic. And I'm like, bro, come relax at my house and mow my yard, you know? <laughs> but what would it look like for you to jump in with both feet and just say, hey, I just want to serve doesn't matter what, doesn't matter where, just, just God, would you use me in this season? And then lastly, God's word, prayer, community. Go ahead and go back to the back. Oh, and generosity. Generosity is simply this. It says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to any that had need. Here's the point with this. In the scriptures, we see that people are more important than possessions. 
People are eternal, possessions are not. What I really want you to ask is, is at the end of the day, where's your, where's your home? Is it either here or it's in heaven? But maybe the deeper question is, where's your heart? Because Jesus addresses that in Matthew chapter six. He says, don't store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break it and steal, but store for yourselves up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And so what does it look like for you in this season to say, God, I just wanna be generous. You know, it's crazy of all the messages that I teach, the one that people often come back and thank me the most for is, is the one on generosity. Because I, I think we get to a point where, you know, initially we're like, ah, the church just wants my money, right? That's the initial thought. And it's like, no, God wants so much more than that. He wants your time. He wants you to serve. He wants you to be in community. He wants your everything. Ultimately, he wants your heart. And people realize that, boy, when I, when I deal with this money issue, the reality for so many people is, man, I've realized that I don't have a grip on money, but money has a grip on me. I'm not in control of possessions. Possessions are in control of me. And they get to a point where they realize, man, God, at the end of the day, I've been just living with a lot of fear in my life and having more faith in money and what's in the bank account instead of you. And so what would it look like for you in this next season to, to trust God with your finances? You know, one of the things that's the most difficult things to do is, is to start. We've made it really simple here to, to join the journey of generosity because it's all a journey. I mean, the goal is to be able to give more and more and more knowing that we can take nothing with us, that, that the finances are the engine for the ministry that takes place through church. And so we give to God through Shelter Cove and you can join the journey. Again, there's QR codes, all of that kind of stuff. And what it is, is you sign up and you give a, an amount that's automatically taken out of your bank account. Why do we do that? So that it's a priority. And that's how we just function in our culture. And so what would it look like for you? Maybe 10 bucks a week, 20 bucks a month. That's between you and the Lord. The Bible talks a lot about a tithe. It talks about giving more than a tithe, literally being generous. But again, the hardest place is starting. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that each person must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under, under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So if you can't give with cheer and you can't give with joy, don't give because God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. Don't miss that. So far this year, since February, we've had a 126 individuals or family units join the journey of generosity right here. Like God, God's doing something really, really amazing. And so here's the question in your notes. What will you join? Maybe you're already serving, but you're not giving. You're like, man, I just need to join the journey or I need to join a group. I, I don't know what it is, but it's not gonna happen, growth, by accident. You have to be intentional. And so my prayer is that this year you would grow in your love for the lost, that you would grow in your habits of healthy Christians because here's the end goal. At the end of the day, the ultimate goal is to grow in the likeness of Jesus. We are all a reflection of Jesus Christ. For some people, they're never gonna open the Bible. The only understanding of Jesus is gonna be the way that you live your life. Heavenly Father, God, we love you so much. And God, we pray that we would be a church where it doesn't just 
stay in our heads, but it drops down to our hearts that your love and your word is not just flowing in us, but through us, that we would be difference makers in this season because we are committed to doing whatever it takes to intentionally grow. God, would you burden our hearts in the areas where you want us to take a step of faith? We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.